Welcome to the Covenant of Peace radio broadcast, the teaching ministry of Pastor Blair Bradley. This program is dedicated to bringing you the glorious truth of God's Word, one verse at a time. We are living in powerful days and we are seeing tremendous changes in our lives, our culture, our nation, and in the church. So now more than ever, we have a great need to exercise spiritual discernment and to know what the Bible teaches about the important issues that we all face today. So let's join Pastor Blair as he continues our study on the Word of God. Welcome again, my beloved in Jesus Christ. We're continuing our verse-by-verse journey through the epistle of Jude, and today we're continuing to go over what Jude taught about how to combat heresy. So let's open our Bibles and read Jude verses 17 through 21 again together. But you, beloved, ought to remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, that they were saying to you in the last time there would be mockers following after their own ungodly lusts. These are the ones who cause divisions, worldly-minded, devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. Now, as I've mentioned many times in this in this journey through Jude, it is always better to be strong in the Lord than it is to be weak. Most everyone would agree that being strong in the Lord and in the power of his might is far better than being weak and faint and emaciated. Everybody would agree that Jesus wants his people and his church to be strong and vibrant and fully alive and walking in the abundant life that Jesus promised. The rug comes in with just exactly how do we get strong. How do we as believers obey Jude's command here to us in verse 20 and build up ourselves on our most holy faith? Let me say to you that the pathway to strengthen Jesus Christ is not mystical, it's not hidden, it's very simple, it's very clear, but make no mistake about it. Even though the pathway to spiritual strength is simple, it absolutely does take discipline and self-control. Becoming strong in God is not accomplished accidentally, nor is it going to happen haphazardly. You're not going to trip and fall into being strong in the Lord. Getting spiritually strong will require of you, it will cost you, it will demand of you, and you will have to sacrifice in order to achieve it. But sacrifice should not be a problem if you genuinely love the Lord and desire to do His will. So the real issue in us building up ourselves on our most holy faith is one of value. Is getting strong valuable enough for you to make the choices that you will have to make in order to achieve it? Do you love Jesus more than anything and more than anyone else, including yourself? If you do, then these steps will not be a problem to you. But if your love is divided, if your eye is not single, if your devotion is not focused on Jesus and on him alone, then these steps will seem draconian. They will seem to be harsh. They will seem to be crude and difficult. Christianity is under assault today in this country like never before. Sound doctrine and the vital need for believers to know what they believe and to know why they believe it is at an all-time low. Truly, we live in the hour when men cannot endure sound doctrine, but they heap to themselves teachers, giving them what they want to hear rather than the whole counsel of God. And sadly, many in the modern church have adopted the ways of the world in discussing these issues. They view the entire purpose of church as some great group therapy session in which God sits around waiting for his people to ask him to provide whatever their hearts crave. And because that is true, the exalting of man has become the highest form of spirituality. These people teach that whatever makes man feel better 
must be from God. So they teach a theology that has man in the center. And they discuss things like physical health, material possessions, and financial prosperity as the primary means by which God's people get strong and become what God wants them to be. Yet nothing could be further from the truth. The Bible calls the exaltation of anything other than God idolatry. And that includes the exaltation of man as well. We have to understand, dear friends, that to build up self is to put God in a lower place. And that is the textbook definition of idolatry. The highest form of spirituality is not the raising up of man, but it is the lowering of man and the exaltation of Jesus Christ to the exclusion of anything else and the exclusion of everyone else, including man. Listen, God is not necessarily glorified simply by physical healing or material possessions or financial prosperity. It is true that God can be glorified through all of these things, but simply because somebody is healed or blessed or prospered does not automatically bring glory to God. The Bible teaches from cover to cover that many times God is glorified when his people suffer and when they are persecuted and when they go through trials and yet remain faithful and when they are unfairly treated and yet remain pure in heart. You see, God is best glorified when we serve him when we obey him, when we are in submission to him, and when we do what he says to do with gladness of heart, when we are faithful to him, regardless of the cost to us personally, not simply because we got some new shiny toy. And it's not true that it is God's delight to always bless and heal and prosper everybody under every circumstance anyway. To say that is to ignore many of the characters of the Bible, thousands of verses of scripture, and 6,000 years of human history. Now, in verse 20 of our study, Jude tells us to build ourselves up on our most holy faith. And Jesus said there were three ingredients to accomplish this. Let's read what the incarnate God said about this and from Mark chapter 8, verses 34 through 38. And he summoned the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in in the glory of his Father with the holy angels." Now, today, many of our most popular teachers proclaim the exact opposite of what Jesus teaches right here in this passage. But it is clear from reading this passage that Jesus himself puts emphasis on three things so that if we would do them, they would cause us to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Jesus said that whoever will come after him had to do three things. They have to deny themselves, they have to take up their cross, and they have to follow Jesus. Now, how different are the words of Jesus from many of the famous preachers and teachers today? How diametrically opposite are their sayings? The modern church emphasizes things like how much and how big and how popular and how easy and nice. But Jesus emphasized things like how small, how low, and how faithful and how obedient. So when you read what Jesus said here in Mark 8, how do you respond? How do these inspired words of the Son of God impact you? Exactly what do the words deny yourself mean? How is it possible to deny yourself and then exalt yourself at the same time? Well, it's not. You have to do one or the other because you cannot do both 
at the same time. You are either involved in things which are designed to exalt you or you are involved in things which are designed to cause you to deny yourself. But understand, beloved, that you cannot do both at the same time. So let me ask some questions. Is the doctrine that you are being taught encouraging you to deny yourself or is it encouraging you to exalt yourself? You need to know the answer to that question. But if Jesus loves us, Brother Blair, then why in the world would he be interested in telling us to deny ourselves? Isn't the act of denying ourselves counterproductive to causing us to become strong? No. In fact, the very opposite is true. And this goes to the very heart of the matter. You see, even though many in the modern church teach today that the sole purpose of God is to give us what we want, that is not the sole purpose of God. and never has been. Our entire purpose for existence on earth is to bring honor and praise and glory to God through Jesus Christ. We have no other reason to live other than that. And, 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 and everything else we are doing is actually in competition with that. So it isn't simply about God blessing us. It is about God providing us what we need in order that we may do God's will. It is God providing everything that we have need of so that by doing that, we then in turn will be obedient to what God has called us to do and value him above all else. It is about God furnishing all of our needs so that we may bring God the glory and honor that he so richly deserves. The emphasis in the modern church is for man to use God to achieve what man wants. But the emphasis in the Bible is for God to use man to achieve what God wants. So we have to understand that the greatest hindrance to God's will being done in the earth is not the devil. It is the people who are not submitted to God, who are operating as their own God, living in accord with their own desires and doing what is right in their own eyes. As long as we operate in our own devices, as long as people are in league with Satan about their destiny, as long as man tries to use God to achieve man's own end, make no mistake about this, man is in competition with God, and that makes man to be a rebel, and that means that man is weak and is unable to bring glory to God. It is only by denying himself, by decreasing, by dying to self, that we can come into a right position so that God may use us to bring glory to himself. So the strong man is the one who is weak in himself and strong in the Lord, and the weak man is the one who is strong in himself and weak in the Lord. Now let's consider this for a moment. If Jesus commanded us to deny ourselves, why would any truly saved person object to that? So let's go through this together. Did, in fact, Jesus command every single soul who would come after him to deny himself? Is that true? I don't think anybody who can read English can possibly say that Jesus didn't command us to deny ourselves after reading Mark chapter 8, verse 34. Now, some will say at this point, well, Jesus was only talking to his disciples, and this command to deny ourselves doesn't apply to us. Well, be careful when you do that, because all the verses that talk about salvation might not apply to us either. But a close examination of this verse clearly shows us that Jesus was not just talking to his disciples, but was addressing, quote, whoever will come after me. So you are endeavoring, so are you endeavoring to come after Jesus? Then this applies to you. So all who come after Jesus must deny themselves. But what exactly does it mean to deny ourselves? And why is this such an important requirement for us if we hope to get strong in our faith? In order to fully understand why denying ourselves is so important, we must comprehend just how opposed to God we really are. It is not the earth that is at odds with God, dear friends. It is man. 
the mountains and the trees and the birds and the animals and even the hurricanes and the volcanoes and the earthquakes are all totally and completely subjected to the sovereign hand of Almighty God. Man stands alone at the very center of open rebellion toward God. It is the human nature and the human spirit that we celebrate so much that is at war with God. We are not subjected to Christ by nature. No, no. The Bible says that we are in hostile and open rebellion to Jesus by nature. And to prove this point, all we have to do is look at our own children. Do you have to teach your children to rebel against your authority? Do we as parents ever have to spend five minutes teaching our children to rebel against us? No. Our own children, whom we love and provide for and would die for, rebel to our face without any training or assistance from anybody. Now, why is that? The fallen nature of Adam is in them. This is original sin. It is the nature and it is very natural and normal for all those born after Adam to rebel. It is their nature. Now, while it is true that we don't have to teach our children to rebel, we do have to teach them to obey, don't we? We warn them and spank them and punish them and raise our voices and pull our hair out and otherwise go nuts trying to teach our own children to respect and obey our authority. And that is if we have good children. So good, godly, responsible parents set rules, they set boundaries, they establish order in the home, or else you have complete chaos and lawlessness. And you may have already found this out, but rules without the certainty of swift and clear punishment is a complete waste of time. Now why is that? It is in the very nature of human beings to rebel. To give a child unearned authority and power is to doom that child to a life of selfishness. To spoil a child is to doom that child to a life of thinking that everybody owes him something. This nation is reeling and we are watching the total dismantling of our culture right before our eyes, in large part because self-centered and cowardly parents refuse to discipline their own children. Lawlessness and sin abounds when there is no discipline. Well, I've got to stop right here, but please join me again on the next broadcast as we continue our journey through the epistle of Jude. May God help us all. Dear friends, if this radio broadcast of line upon line, precept upon precept teaching of God's holy word is a blessing to you, will you prayerfully consider supporting us financially? We want to increase our exposure here on the Gulf Coast through more radio stations and through the internet. Would you pray about coming alongside of us and help us do that to God's glory? For further information about how you can partner with us in seeing the gospel triumph in our area or to receive a copy of today's broadcast, go to our website, www.covenantofpeace.net. Until next time, may the peace of God keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus.